The Koi Gig Pod. I'm laughing because I was listening to a conversation that the City Girls were having and they were just going on about this throw-in. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's our weapon in the World Cup. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mo. Keith Wood is with us. Keith, good morning to you. How are you? Uh, I'm very good, sir. How are you? We're having a debate this morning, right? There's um, an Ulster Club Football Championship where match where the, the manager has decided that uh, of one club that he can't manage his team this week because he's playing against his own club and his three sons are playing. You've got three sons. <laughs> Could you ever coach against them? I I never coached against them. No, I, I coached them a little bit when they were smallies. Um, but even that, I think, is too hard for me. So I fully get it why a coach wouldn't coach. I remember um, on on a Lions tour, actually, Gatlin coached against his son. Oh yeah, that's right. Brin. So that was quite. Uh, I'd say that was quite a challenge for him. You know. Um, See, I thought maybe you'd be one of those dads who'd be like, yeah, "I'm going to teach these three a lesson now, and just remind them that I'm the big dog here." Yeah, no, I've given up on that idea. I'm not the big dog anyway. They're they're all bigger than me at this stage, which is quite disturbing. Well, the Farrell family have done it, haven't they? Andy's yeah, gone uh, said Irish players out to to destroy his son Owen. Yeah, bit, of, bit of a bit of a weakness on his left side tackling, maybe, or maybe he doesn't say anything about it. Anyway, let's move on. Ireland against South Africa. Before we talk about the the um, monster selling out Porky Cree, which is like a really interesting little um, kind of consideration in all of the conversations we've been having recently. Um, now that the, the dust has settled on the South Africa game, what's your takeaways from the weekend? Well, I was I was hoping, I think, um, I think we got what I was hoping for. I, I was hoping that we would be able to stand up to um, the weight, the aggression, the, the power, um, the bomb squad, um, uh, that we wouldn't be... Uh, that we wouldn't stand up to it just alone, you know, that we would try and think our way around it. And I felt that's what actually happened. I thought thought the selection was pretty good. Um, look, I don't get overly excited by, by, by these sorts of games. And they're huge games, but um, you know that you want, you want to see Ireland progress and you still have that sort of nagging doubt in the back of your head that. Um, if only we had a three-year World Cup cycle and not a four-year cycle, whether that might make any difference. But the, uh, you know, because you know the important games are going to be in in uh, in the World Cup next year. Um, but I just like the progression from the team. Like this Irish team hasn't played together since the summer. We've had a huge amount of injuries. I know every other team has as well, but we're talking about Ireland. But uh, the manner in which they went about the game just... I just it was pretty gratifying to watch actually to see that progression because you know the one thing I talked about last week about it was that um, we have proven over the last couple of years that we can we can play against New Zealand uh, beat New Zealand but it's against that huge bulk of sides where Irish teams and provincial teams have kind of come unstuck so this was the first opportunity to go and do it. And, and we got over the line. Now, there was elements of uh, luck, I think, involved in it, as there is in all games. And there was some um, poor decisions from, from South Africa. But I was like, I was just very happy with it. I'm not getting carried away by it, but I, I just thought it was really enjoyable to watch the manner in which they played. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, we had, your, I think that's the 97 Lions jersey over your, your shoulder there with Will Greenwood, yeah. uh, who was on that tour and obviously um, got knocked out on it. But um, 
he was saying, were well, you a little bit lucky? You know, obviously there's the kick in the in the thing. I was like, yeah, it's fair to say that some of the, the breaks did go our way. However, there was never any stage where you felt like we were about to lose it. If you think back to like the games that we've lost in, in recent years, we had a furious comeback against France and the Six Nations last year, but Sexton wasn't playing in that game. And there was definitely periods of the game where France were cutting us apart. The first two minutes, Dupont is... Uh, first minute and a half, Dupont is, is in over the line. Like, OK, they, they kind of know what to do against us here. But it never really felt like this South African team playing the way they are at the moment were ripping us apart. Our scramble defence was excellent, but our form never broke. We bent a little, but we never broke. And that's why, if there were some bits of fortune, it's like... Yeah, I'm sure if you went and look back, there's other bounces of the ball that didn't go our way. And it didn't feel like it was a lucky smash and grab. It felt like the better of the two teams won. Well, it, it looked like a, a very mature performance and it looked like a learnt performance. So France posed a very different um, um, uh, challenge. I think France have very big forwards and they do play at a much faster pace um, and their backs have an ability to cut you open from anywhere. Um, I would still say they're not as fit as the Irish team might be, and I think that Ireland can can uh, can sort of uncouple France in in that sort of situation at different times if they if they manage to stay in the game for any period of time. South Africa are different; they're very heavy. They take their points. Um, they have an odd opportunity. They'll have a go for a try if they have a penalty, but they tend not to um, without that. Uh, for the most part, they tend not to take too many real risks. Um, and it's an incredibly successful formula. And, but for me, they were, they were missing, uh, Lucanio Am and they seem to lack that subtlety or that, um, uh, that real cutting edge at different times. And because they weren't putting over all their penalty kicks, like that's what it's built on. So you mentioned the jersey on the back. I love the fact we won in 97. I think it's fantastic. But one of the main reasons we won is because they didn't kick over their kicks, you know, and we stayed in the fight and that's all we could probably do. And and we did it long enough to win a series. Um, South Africa playing with without a guy who kicks 95% of their kicks it really doesn't suit them, you know, because that's that's how they play. They kick, you know, they tip, keep the um, the uh, the scoreboard ticking over all the time. And by dint of pressure, if they keep doing that, they will take a couple of opportunities late on. And now they would steamroll a lot of teams. Yeah. So that's where I would be really happy with Ireland. And I, I thought we managed to match an awful lot of their contact really well. We stopped them very early. Um, yeah, no, like I was really happy with it. I, the look for me is we still could have lost the game if they were popping over the kicks. I know we missed a couple as well, um, but our game isn't built entirely around um, keeping the, the scoreboard ticking over like like South Africa's is. And it did feel like we... No. There's a little bit where we keep inviting sides into uh, having, hey, we'll give you one last play at the end of the game where if everything goes your way, you might beat us. It still happens a lot in those big games that we win. You're kind of like, it'd be great if we could just maybe stop that from happening. Uh, but that aside, you definitely felt like we were responding to whatever they were throwing at us. And when we needed to aggress, like 
it, particularly at the start of the second half where we scored the two tries back to back it was like well now's our time at bat and we're going to take advantage of it. it it's that maturity that you're talking about the other thing we, we talked to uh, Greenwood about was the impact that the attack coach is beginning to have and how not beginning to have it's now over the last year and just uh, how the, the attacking style of the team is really clear to see and maybe you know we need to talk about the whole coaching ticket you know O'Connell obviously gets um, a lot of credit for the mall and, and Easterby's getting his credit is it time that we also started to talk about well the attacking flair of this team is great to watch I, well I think that's part of it um, uh, I would break it down one step further and say that there has been a fairly significant um, philosophical change in 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 um, what the players are allowed to do and I think we were very programmed, which was very successful with Joe Schmidt until it wasn't successful. And I just think there is a bit more of a man management idea and an opportunity for players to express their skills. Um, there are some wild cutout passes that wouldn't have happened two or three years ago. And I think it took a period of time to be able to do it. So I do think the the philosophy makes a change. Um, but I also think the types of players we have make a change. And I think Mike Cat is obviously consistently working with those players to giving, giving them the confidence to try different things and um, building out the, the attacking process, which, you know, we've talked about this before, but it protects Johnny Sexton far more. Um, now he did get smashed up a couple of times, but it, he didn't look vulnerable being smashed up. Whereas, Again, I thought three years ago, he looked very vulnerable getting smashed up. Um, I thought he played really well, like like brilliantly well. And But all the players seemed to be comfortable to have a bit of a go. And one thing we didn't mention about it as well was, you know, Ireland had a lot of injuries in the game. And um, that could have had a huge impact and often has a huge impact and um, and didn't actually and uh, like so it looked like the squad of 23 played their part and of course Keith we only we only really won the game because of uh, some poor refereeing decisions if you're <laughs> to, to believe a certain South African director of rugby um, and Rassi was very complimentary about you remembering his South African A game just last week he was complimenting you massively and I know he's a popular figure in Munster but sour grapes is it the whole uh, Twitter post Look, I don't, I don't quite know what what's going on there, and um, like I, look, if we ignore Rassi for a for a moment, I get a little bit frustrated with the laws of the game because there is so much down to timing, maybe to subjectivity. Um, for the fans, if you're one-eyed, you only see one half of the of of elements of it. I still kind of watch games. I mean, I annoy people when I watch games with them. Still watch it as an old BBC analyst where you're looking at the game and trying not to put emotion into it too much. Of course, you have emotion into it, but you try and look at the game with a bleak eye and to see what is the right thing there. I mean, I thought, I thought Bealham got away with a couple of scrums. Um, I could, you could argue that on that side, but that's what every single scrum is like. And you get away with what you get away with in, in, in some of them and how the referees interpret what's happening in front of you. Um, I, I look, I think the laws are making it difficult for the referees. They're being, um, they're a bit vulnerable at the moment. Um, 
And I don't think we can be giving out about them, you know, uh, and coaches can't. And But I do think that we need to tidy that up a little bit more and give them a little bit more power on the field. And um, not that it has to be dissected by slow-mo immediately. A lot of the slow-mos make rugby very difficult. And I know you have to be careful for people who have been hit in the head. And I think that that's really important. But the the 25 different angles to see whether there may be the slightest potential knock-on, I don't know if that's appropriate. I think you have to be able to do things in real time a bit more um, for non-safety-related elements. But this, like the, the sarcasm or the slagging off the ref, it, like it, it just can't be part of the game because... Uh, like and again, I spoke about it last week. The idea of having respect from the captain to the to the referee and the referee to the captain, we kind of need to get players to shut up as well and and try and bring it back to that point of where the people you know the people who are allowed to talk are the ones who manage the game, which are the captains and and the uh, and the ref. Important for world rugby to start saying something about that, to start taking the lead on that, and in a public way, like. We we so frequently think to the World Cups and the implementation of rules, and that sets the tone for the following four years. You think of the tip tackle, for example, which now all of a sudden isn't a red card anymore. Um, but like they they first started going, okay, that's all red card the whole way through, and it had a massive impact in a World Cup semi final when Alan Roland red carded the Wales captain. Like that was the right call because that was the right decision, and World Rugby had decided that. So, over the next year, do we get like a point where it's a yellow card anytime anybody talks to referee who isn't, you know, like something has to happen because otherwise Razzie's going to keep doing this. The pressure's going to keep ramping up. The referee constantly in their own head going, "What's Razzie going to say on video about this?" Like it's a it's a very very tenuous thing that rugby has that other sports are jealous of, but that can go like that. Well, it can go, and it's look. There's reasons for it and um but if you're allowed to get away with it you do so if it goes down to the law and the spirit of the law if you march back a guy for talking to you for shouting at you if you if you bring it out if world rugby bring it out saying listen the only person that's going to talk now is is the uh, is the captain now you have to get the ref to treat the captain with respect too sure you can't have the ref being dismissive which happens sometimes which would drive me to distraction, but um, and you need to have uh, the captain not to query every single decision. You know, there's a time and a place, and you need to pick those things that you have as well. We've that's the way it used to be, and it's drifted away from it a bit. Um, but I do think that needs to come back in. And yes, I think World Rugby needs to take the lead on that. Okay, um, we should talk about the, the fact that Munster have sold out. Porky Cueve for the game like that's a phenomenal the power of the Munster brand is still sensational it's obviously the novelty of the game uh, in Porky Cueve but it, it does still signify something special latent a little bit in the Munster brand does it? Oh I read I, look I think it does I it's long overdue and it's funny I've spoken to a couple of um, Limerick rugby supporters over the last couple of weeks and they're saying well they're kind of you know what's the story will this be a, a leading away from um, from Thoman Park down to down to Porky Cueve um, I hope so a little actually um, I think it's very important that Cork gets fully um, 
uh, fully engaged with with Munster. And I do think that some of the URC matches in particular on at 7.30 at night time um, with a bad road from Cork to Limerick makes it really hard to go up and, and support it. So um, I do think it's like it's a it's a fairly large province, but we need big matches in Cork as well. We need all the support we can get, and I think it's short sighted to think that everything should be just in in Limerick or Thoman Park. Although Thoman Park is fantastic on those big days out, so the opportunity to be in Porky Cueve is fantastic. Um, the opportunity to have forty four thousand people at a game is fantastic. I'm delighted that the GEA have opened up the ground for it. Um, and I think this is an ideal game to start, but I would still like to see a big game, a big European Cup game in Cork. I think that would be appropriate as well in, in the years to come. So hopefully this gives the opportunity to be able to maximise the support that we have in Munster for the Munster rugby team. And I do think at times that hasn't happened fully. Yeah, I, like it doesn't feel as if Munster GA and Munster Rugby are competing in the same way that other sports might be competing in other parts of the country. It seems like if you're a Munster GA fan, it's very easy for you to be a Munster Rugby fan. If you're a Cork hurling fan, it's very easy for you. To, if you're a Kerry football fan, it's very easy for you to also support Munster. It seems like a very natural thing. I'd say it's the one part of the country where the sports are the, the fandom is most aligned now maybe people in the comments are going to tell me I'm completely wrong about that but it doesn't feel like uh, that division that exists think, in other parts of the country is there I think they fit pretty well I think sometimes it gets overplayed when Limerick have been doing incredibly well that there's a, a dearth of players coming through the system I think that can be an excuse rather than anything else I don't know whether this is true but I'm trying to trawl back into a memory I have but I have a feeling Mick Mackey famous um, uh, Limerick hurler from the um, 50s and 60s I know I was in school with his, his grandson but I um, I have a feeling that he was one of the nominated um, um, GEA people to go to to rugby matches to catch other people that were going there you know the GEA people because he used to be banned at that stage because he was going to be there anyway, because he was such a huge fan and a huge supporter of rugby. He was going to go to all of them anyway. And I always think there was that sort of an idea that um, uh, when that ban was on, that that never really fit very comfortably down here. And um, I don't know. I think I think people are sports fans. I mean, I, we don't have to have it as a straight up and down competition all the time. Look, but I'm thrilled that like to get 44,000 going to a match in Munster is phenomenal. So like this is this is a great opportunity for us. Um when you look at days that went past where if if Munster were to play a big semi final and it needed to be in a bigger stadium, well we might be able to do it in the Gaelic grounds now or we might be able to do it in Porky Cueve now. Um that those big matches can be kept in the province if that's if that's acceptable, that'll be fantastic. There's a real element of Graham Roundtree creating a, a special occasion around this as well, Keith. Like he's he's talked about not letting the players, not taking the players out onto the pitch or into the stadium in Porky Cueve until until the game starts itself. Of course, the kickers will, will go a little bit earlier in practice, but there is that moment. There's going to be that moment where the players walk out, and for them, it's a unique special occasion as well. Well, it's it's interesting looking at um, looking at Graham and they've like Monster have had a a fairly hard. Um, 
a fairly hard start to the to the campaign and things haven't gone well and they haven't played particularly well. Um and and yes, there seems to be a slightly pastoral sense of 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 old school rugby with with Graham and what he's saying about it. And actually it was an interesting comment that he had that he bemoans the fact that midweek matches are kind of gone, you know, and I think we would have all played in those matches and, uh, you know, some of the matches that were against Australia might have been on during the week or, you know, at different times at that stage back in the, in the eighties and nineties. And there is a little bit of a throwback to this game and okay, it isn't a full South African team and it isn't a full monster team. Um, but uh, I think people are, are getting interested now in, in what Monster are trying to do with the younger players uh, coming through. And I think that leads to the number that it's a sellout. But but also that idea that this is special and it's special for Monster to be able to have this game. Um, Graham is, he's old school Leicester, you know, um, he's... It's it's all about that sense of community and uh, and trying to link with the people around it. I mean, if anybody has been over to any of the the, the Leicester games, they'll know that it's very community oriented and based, and it's a long and long standing depth of support. Um, I think I think he's played the right cards. I think he's. I also think he believes in it. So he's not. You know, he's he's living what he what he says. Um, he wants to fully engage with as many people as he can, and that's what Munster needs. Yeah, no, uh, I think in a weird way the game matters far more than it should do. Like if they can put in a performance, it could be the spark for something. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's hard to put in a big performance. Again, it depends on. Uh, it depends on the maturity of the players that are playing. So you're looking for. Uh, you're looking to have a go, but you're also looking to be able to deal with heavy hitting, and it's not. It's not anywhere near as big a South African team. Uh, thankfully, and um, and there's a lot of young guys playing, so I'm uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing how they stand up to it, but how they love this idea of an occasion. Yeah. I mean, I just, like you have to there has to be a huge sense of joy to to play in the biggest crowd that you have at a monster game, and there's an awful lot of young guys who are going to go into this and say, "Wow, this is what we can this is what we can pull in here. This is what we can." Um, um, this is what we can play in front of and they have to try and live up to that idea and for me it is performance entirely not results but it's to go out there and say wow this is this is a reason to play the game yeah 100% Keith good to have you with us thanks a million brilliant cheers thanks. OTB AM with Gillette in association with Movember effortless shave magnificent mode.